In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash artofman and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash artofman, A-R-T-O-F-M-A-N, podsurvey.com slash artofman. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. Developed for the Israeli military forces and battle-tested in real-life tactical situations by police and military forces around the world, Krav Maga has gained an international reputation as an easy-to-learn yet highly effective combative and self-defense system. Today on the podcast, I talked to David Kahn, chief instructor of the U.S.-Israeli Krav Maga Association, the author of several books on Krav Maga, including Krav Maga Defense. David and I discussed the origins and history of Krav Maga, its philosophy and fundamental moves, and how to use the system's combatives in a defensive scenario. Really fascinating show. After the show's over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash kravmaga, all one word, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. David Kahn, welcome to the show. Hey, Brett. Great to be on with you. Uh, so you are a, a Krav Maga instructor, the... Um, I guess the, the chief officer at Israeli Krav Maga here in the United States. Um, before we get into talking about Krav and what exactly it entails, can you tell us a bit about your background? How did you get involved in Krav Maga? And I mean, what are the types of people you train as a Krav Maga instructor? Sure. Uh, my first experience with Krav Maga was my uh, first week of law school. And the experience floored me, literally. Uh, the first American to ever do Krav Maga, Rick Blitzstein. Um, I had played Ivy League football and I wanted to try some kind of um, self-defense and I wanted immediate gratification as all people seem to. And uh, Rick looked, take a look at me and he thought yeah, that'd be a good example. And he took me in what we call Cavalier, which is a wrist takedown. And he ended up with his size eight and a half on my neck in front of all these people. And while I should have been embarrassed, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I said, I got to do that. So that's how I stumbled literally on Krav Maga. I, I didn't know what it was. I probably even mispronounced it the first uh, few times I took it. Um, but it's become really quite popular, and that, that's a, a good thing for the most part, although obviously there are certain um, criminal elements that are trying to get their hands on it as well. And um, my background, again, I, I, I'm a, a non-practicing attorney. I, I work with technologies. I write patents, and I, I love teaching Krav Maga. Um, been fortunate enough to write uh, five books on it. Uh, matter of fact, the, the fourth book uh, just won a national book award, uh, as we mentioned, uh, in the category of sports, although it's anything but sporting. Uh, and it was called Professional Tactics. So that, that was a, a real nice award with all the major publishers uh, competing for the title. And uh, fortunately, we, we took it. Um, we actually won a similar award, that exact same award back in 2010 with a weapons defense book. So um, in addition to the, the books we've been able to write, we've done a, a bunch of um, DVDs, uh, four different sets. And through it all, we've been contacted by um, most of the major law enforcement agencies we've trained to date, um, the veritable alphabet of the federal agencies, FBI, DEA, 
Secret Service, Marshal Service, uh, Department of Corrections, uh, Department of Justice Police, um, <laughs> Department of Defense Police, et cetera, Coast Guard. And then, uh, fortunately, all uh, five branches of the United States military, uh, including the, uh, the Coast Guard, um, we were invited down to Quantico to train with the Marine Corps, which also then led to an FBI invitation to train at their academy with them, along with DEA. Um, change some tier one um, groups. And it's really just been a marvelous thing. And Right. So, I mean, what are the origins of Krav Maga? So it's called Israeli Krav Maga. So I'm imagining it originated in Israel. But why why did the self-defense system originate in Israel? It actually originated uh, in late, uh, or actually early uh, 1940s and late 30s in Slovakia uh, by a man named Emich Lichtenfeld, who founded the system. And uh, Emi had a background in, in boxing and in, in Western wrestling and judo. Um, his father was a chief uh, inspector for the Slovakian police, but it was developed and um, uh, invented at necessity to protect the Jewish community. And the difference between the, the uh, nascent Krav Maga training and uh, sport fighting was simply that uh, Krav Maga, as it was, was really self-defense. It didn't get uh, called Krav Maga until the late 40s, but such as it was, was developed, again, to protect the Jewish community. And the key differentiator was that there were no rules in a street fight and that uh, Emi was always outnumbered um, along with his, his colleagues who helped her. And he realized right away that, um, again, there could be no sporting applications, which mean there are no rules, but most importantly, uh, every uh, combative or strike or um, a countermeasure had to count. There was no room for uh, wasted motion, or ineffective combatives. In other words, a punch had to be a knockout if it could be, a kick had to take out a knee, uh, a knee had to knee somebody in the groin, uh, an eye gouge had to do the trick and distract, and then he could move on to the next opponent. So um, by its very nature, it was visceral. Um, it was meant only for self-defense, not to use, be used offensively. And uh, Emi ended up um, emigrating uh, from or escaping the Nazis in Slovakia and ended up fighting for the British Army in uh, North Africa. And uh, he was wounded, he was decorated, and then he made his way to um, what was to become Israel. And the early uh, Israeli military leaders recognized that Emi had a, a distinct talent for hand-to-hand -hand combat and a great way of teaching. And they um, suggested that he uh, ramp this up for the, uh, the fledgling um, Israel Defense Forces, which had at that point been a number of organizations, including the Haganah, the Palmach, and the Palyam, um, which were really... Um, uh, self-defense groups, and they, they formed the uh, National Army, which was the Israel Defense Forces. And to this day, Krav Maga is the uh, official hand-to-hand -hand combat system. Um, the Krav Maga that's taught in the Israeli military does differ in uh, different units. Uh, it's not uniform, uh, but it is still called Krav Maga. And uh, we call it Israeli Krav Maga because it comes from the Israeli Krav Maga Association. There are many different types of Krav Maga that, that people have put spins on, but um, we refer to it as Israeli Krav Maga because it is the original organization with the most evolved Krav Maga. And Krav Maga, that's a Hebrew word, right? Yep, it means contact combat or close combat. Uh, Krav means a struggle, uh, first used in the Old Testament uh, when, uh, as my research seemed to show, that Gabriel uh, struggled as opposed to fought with the angel of death. And it's used elsewhere, and Maga means uh, proximity. And actually, in my um, fourth book, I had a, uh, an, a uh, uh, I'm forgetting it right now, but I'll come back to it if you'd like. Uh, it, it's actually one of the original um, 
explanations behind Krav Maga about preparing one's fingers for battle and my hands for war. That's one of the first references to the word. Oh, that's cool. Um, so you kind of hit on some of the principles of Krav Maga. So it's, you know, make every uh, strike count, just basic motor movements. Be- beyond that, are there some other principles that guide Krav Maga? Yes, there are. Um, like every good self-defense, it's to recognize the incipient conflict or violence that's coming to you or, you know, targeting you and to avoid it. <laughs> it's just better to see that uh, this is not going to end up in a good situation and to extricate yourself. But if uh, push comes to shove uh, and we've got to react physically, in other words, all de-escalation, the deconfliction, anything you can say is not going to uh, deconflagrate the situation. Uh, Krav Maga focuses on preemptive action. In other words, if you see that an attacker is winding up to hit you or going to uh, deploy a weapon against you from the waistband, the back, or is palming a weapon, um, will preempt. And that could be any number of, of uh, counterattacks, but they're meant to uh, cause injury, not necessarily to hurt, but to cause injury to survive the situation. Um, coupled with that is the, um, the all-important principle of uh, simultaneous defense and attack, which simply means that every defensive measure that's taken, a counterattack is also launched. Um, so if somebody were throwing a punch at your head, uh, using the preemptive self-defense, you could use a, a straight punch because a, a straight attack will always um, reach the target faster than a round attack. And incidentally, it takes about three times as long to land a hook punch as it does a straight punch. But if you wanted to defend the uh, straight punch with a simultaneous defense and attack principle, you would um, defend with uh, the near side arm. If it's a right punch, you defend with your left. You would block using a rotational defense to attack the attacker's arm while simultaneously either punching or using a palm here or an eye strike to the attacker's face. So you're blocking and attacking at the same time and simultaneous defense and attack. Is that Retsev, like R-E-T-Z-E-V? That's um, a method of counterattacking developed by Grandmaster Haim Gidon, uh, my instructor. I'm very proud to be a student. And that means continuous combat motion. Um, basically, it's harnessing the body's natural movements it's using optimized combatives. In other words, as I land a kick to the knee or the groin, my weight is already transferring forward, allowing me to use uh, that same side punch, like a left kick to the groin, imagine, followed by immediately by a left punch, followed by a right punch. And because of my weight now coming forward with a right punch, it optimizes a right knee. So basically, it's harnessing the body's momentum, and it's creating an economy of motion, and it's either recognizing an opportunity to strike a vulnerable anatomy in, a, um, in an assailant, or creating your own opportunity by a salvo of uh, strikes. I can put it to you this way. Maybe it is the equivalent of a, um, a single shot from a, maybe a semi-automatic rifle hitting where you need to hit, and then the rifle opens up fully automatic. So it's like, like a single fully automatic burst of, of uh, attacks, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. Um, so what do you think is the, the mind, mindset shift that needs to take place for people to use Krav Maga effectively um, compared to the mindset they might have with other defensive uh, systems? Well, I think that all good systems share uh, the mindset that we really uh, emphasize, which is attack the attacker. Um, that person intends to do you harm. You've got to react with extreme prejudice where the situation warrants it. And uh, I'm going to say neutralize a threat. Now, people can interpret neutralize as they wish. But basically, um, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer by training, so it's very important for, for civilians to understand that they've got to use proportional force. Uh, in other words, you can, you can counterattack until that uh, threat, that person can no longer counterattack you. But if you continue uh, you know, to, to administer punishment because you're angry after the fact, 
that's going to come back and haunt you legally and morally perhaps as well. Um, but it's really an aggressive mindset. It's that I'm not going to lose this and it doesn't matter what that other person knows. I'm going to take the fight to him or her because they're giving me no choice and I'm going to end it quickly on my terms. Um, again, it's an overwhelming counterattack. And um, again, it's with extreme prejudice. There's just, you know, you, again, you've got to reconcile yourself that you've done everything you can to avoid this situation. The attack is coming your way and you've got to defeat it. Uh, whatever it takes. So you mentioned that part of uh, Krav Maga is going for inflicting damage to you know very vulnerable parts of the body. Um, what are the those vulnerable parts that Krav focuses on, and um, how do you go about attacking them? Yeah, the primary targets, of course, the obvious ones: uh, the eyes, the uh, the temple, uh, the throat, the sides of the neck, the groin, the knees, and then you've also obviously got the internal organs, including you know kidneys, spleen. Um, the solar plexus, the, um, again, the, uh, the, the mandible process, uh, the back of the skull, it's really wherever you can cause damage. And what we mean by damage is uh, structural damage to anatomy, um, either pushing the, uh, the, the tissue beyond its natural elasticity or dislocating joints or breaking bones, you know, even uh, uh, popping out an eyeball if, if you've got to do it as a life and death situation by um, inserting your thumb and digging into the attacker's eye and uh, gouging that eyeball out. And that, that's, as I said, that's visceral. And um, thank goodness that most people are averse to doing something like that. It has to be taught to most people, but um, some people come by it naturally. Again, this is when everything else has failed and there's no choice but to defend yourself. How do you train for like gouging an eyeball out, right? Like I see how you can train for a punch, right? Because you can punch a, a, a body, but gouging an eyeball, how do you practice for that? Well, one way, of course, is if you have a uh, practice dummy like a bob, but they're rather expensive. So we can do it a couple of different ways. When we actually practice with a partner, we only find the eyebrow. You find the cheekbone. In other words, if you have a listener um, trying this out in the sense, you know, mentally, what you would do is you take your right hand, the, the person who's listening, I'm doing it right now as I speak, you put it on your left cheekbone. And by putting the hand on the left cheekbone, in other words, you're facing somebody else, but you're, you're practicing on yourself, it automatically gives you a guide into the eye. It's called the rule of thumb, if you will. So obviously when we practice, uh, like everything, we've got to use extreme control, which is one part of the Krav Maga training. In other words, I'm, I'm at the level, um, my senior instructors are, where we can actually kick somebody's knee without taking it out. We've got the control. But that has to be built up over time, and that, that takes proper instruction. Um, so you ask a very good question. Um, when I was working with one of the military branches, they were going to test whether Krav Maga worked or not. And uh, very, very tough guys. And the guy, I put myself in a very bad position. I put myself in a guillotine on the ground. I said, okay, you can choke me out. And the um, friend of mine, I won't say which branch, but the, uh, the friend of mine said, I, I can really choke you out. Uh, he became my friend afterwards, as a matter of fact. And I said, sure, if I pass out, I'll pass out. If I tap, I tap out. And again, he says, I can really choke you out. I said, yeah, you can if you can. But what happened was I, uh, I did the defense. And uh, again, before I knew him well, uh, he said, sir, my eyeball is coming out. I said, well, it's in release as I'm gritting my teeth as he's choking me and I'm releasing. So um, you can put that kind of pressure into the eye, eye uh, lid and people will generally relent. But you got to be careful. Right. I, I know this probably sounds good. I think I read somewhere where someone like would put like orange slices like on a Bob dummy <laughs> and like practice like sticking their thumb in the orange slice to get like get used oh, to that the, could be get used to the feeling of putting their thumb in an eyeball oh man but no that that 
That well could be. I mean, it, it, it's similar to using a watermelon when you're using edge weapons, you know, to understand how uh, a, um, a blade is going to penetrate the human torso. It's about the same uh, tension suction. And uh, same thing with biting. You know, when, when we, we have biting, uh, sometimes you'll take a piece of fruit and orange with the peel still on it. You'll use your incisors. You'll rip it out just to simulate biting. If you had to, you know, for example, bite somebody's neck if they were choking you from the uh, you know, from the front or, or wherever it may be, or bear hug is a better example of that. Um, so you can definitely use all sorts of fruit or balloons or, you know, anything you want to simulate um, human anatomy. Right. This is going to be funny. There's going to be like guys sticking their thumbs in oranges and their wives are going to come and like, what are you doing? And I'm training to gouge someone's eyeball out. <laughs> yeah, getting back to this idea of practicing for Krav, um, because it's, it's a real world, right? And most of the situations you're going to encounter uh, in real world defense, like you are not expecting it. Um, so how do you train for an event you don't expect, right? Because like when you're training, you know the guy is going to, going to attack you. So in Krav, how do you train yourself to be ready uh, for those unexpected moments where you have to defend yourself? Great question. Um, Krav Maga is built on instincts, uh, and we hone those instincts. For example, um, if something is unexpectedly thrown at your head or somebody were to swing at your head and you saw it coming, you would flinch. And that means that your arms would come up and you'd probably tuck your chin, raising your shoulders. So Krav Maga, uh, to uh, make it most effective, builds on our natural instincts. And, uh, for example... When you're caught what we call in the negative five, which is courtesy of a good friend of mine, Nirma Mann, um, who headed up the uh, counter-terror training uh, in Israel for Krav Maga. Um, when you're put in the negative five, you don't expect it. And that's where your, your trained tactics, your conditioned response has to come in. So we train to do just a few things very well that will handle uh, the myriad attacks you might face. Uh, for example, the, um, the hook punch defense we're talking about, the outside movement to block it would be the same thing as a sucker punch from your left or your right. We see something coming to the head, we flinch, we move away from it as we deflect and then counterattack if you can. Um, so what it distills down to is just understanding a few core movements to get you off a line of attack or to react. And that has to come with training, but the great thing about Krav Maga, why people seem to enjoy it so much or find it um, so easy to learn and retain, is again, it's built on that flinch response. Or if, for example, if you were... Uh, somebody were going to try to kick you in the groin, you know, another street trick. Uh, most people, if they see it coming, will drop their hands or they'll cross their legs. Well, we don't want to drop the hands, but we will build on that crossing the leg response to deflect it with the forward leg. Uh, in other words, if you were, you know, you're standing there and somebody went at you, you turn to the side. Well, we build on that by using the forward leg to deflect and turn the attacker away, taking his dead side. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. 
That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash manliness. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company, not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best, become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. What does a typical session look like, right? So you can prepare yourself for these events that you're not expecting, right? Like how do you train for the unexpected? It actually, it, it might be helpful to, to, to say one thing about the Krav Maga, that not all Krav Maga training is the same. And that with our specific training, the Israeli Krav Maga from um, Grandmaster Gidon, um, we practice and we train against concerted resistance. In other words, somebody who's throwing a full force attack at you. Because if you don't train that way, you do yourself a disservice uh, in, in three ways. One, the speed of the attack or the unexpectedness of the attack. Uh, so that's one and two. And then the ferocity of it, the power coming at you. So 
you've got to um, learn how to attack uh, the best way you can um, in terms of simulating it. And by our combatives, we're actually throwing very good combatives, the most effective and optimized combatives. So when you can defend against those kinds of attacks where somebody's retracting the attacking limb very quickly to simulate, you know, a trained attacker, it's, it's easier to defend against somebody who's not so trained. Um, in other words, we're not spending a whole lot of time doing uh, uh, jumping jacks and sit-ups and push-ups and fighting in the air. Um, so what we can do, for example, is we'll have a partner stand, the hands are down in a negative five position, you're not ready for a fight, and we'll have that partner circle around the, um, you know, the, the practice partner who's defending and throw any kind of attack. It doesn't matter what it is, and the attack, you know, it could be a, it could be a punch, it could be a kick, it could be a, a choke, a push, a takedown, anything. And that's what we call uh, open training, where you know something will happen, but you don't know what. As opposed to choreographed training where you say, hey, I'm going to throw a punch at you now, which, of course, we, we build it up. Beginners would do the closed training where they know something is coming. But even within the closed training, we begin to build it out. Like, for example, you don't know a punch from the left or the right or a hook from the left or the right. So it's a 25% uh, proposition for each kind of attack you can get, but you've got to react. Um, so using good you know, MMA gloves and control, uh, we will go at each other full force. In fact, it's one of my favorite practice drills. Um, in addition, we also practice from what I'll call a de-escalation stance, which I talk uh, a bunch about in um, the, the, late, the fifth book, Krav Maga Defense, where you're not putting your hands up in a fighting stance because that's going to um, basically indicate that you, you're, you're engaging in, in uh, mutual combat, which where you lose your self-defense ability. You know, it's a fight, and you're not ready for it. So um, that's kind of my, my favorite kind of drill. We'll spar as well, you know, where the hands do go up and, and you're fighting, but that's the way we got to train. Um, same thing with getting choked from the rear. We will walk up to somebody in the class and choke him or her if, if we understand they know the technique and you'll have to react uh, from, you know, an unprepared state. Because if you can re react from an unprepared state, if you're prepared, obviously you've got the advantage. So let's kind of talk about specific uh, scenarios. Um, so the basic idea of Krav is you're going to use your flinch your startle reflex, use basic gross motor movements to go for vulnerable parts of the body. But let's say uh, there's more than one attacker. Um, so how do you, what's your strategy whenever you're, you have two or three attackers on you? Because I mean, they don't do it like in the movies where they just all wait around while one attacker goes for you and then... Then the next one goes. They're coming at you simultaneously. No, <laughs> no, you you hit a you hit another great point. Uh, in fact, it's the very essence of Krav Maga. It's what Emi, the founder, had to face uh, more times than not. And the key is you do not um, fight more than one person at a time, and you never get in the middle of multiple assailants. You know, especially if there were three assailants. In other words, let's say that the uh, the listener is facing three people to his or her left, middle and right. Whatever happens, the defender is going to go to his or her left or right, but never down the middle, even if the attacker in the middle comes at you. And what we do is, again, we take the attack to the attacker, again, attack the attacker, and we always try to line the um, attackers up, and that means brutalizing the uh, closest threat, the near, the near threat. If there's a weapon, we'll take it away and use it against all three. But you never want to fight two people at once, and you always want to keep moving. Remember, you're the target. They're not the target. They're trying to envelop you, and you got to work effectively. Now, interestingly, uh, one, one bit, of, bit of tradecraft here, you, you get the old Westerns where you're, you're, people are outnumbered, and you, maybe it's two against four, and one guy says, I'll take those two, you take the other two. That's not the way we do it either. If they were two against four, the two people would still fight one person, knock him or her down, uh, you know, neutralize them and then continue. But it's never 
uh, fighting more than one person. And we'll, we'll fight two against one, four, in our favor, yeah, but not the other way around. We won't defend against two. And you just mentioned uh, weapons, uh, improvised weapons. So is that an important part of Krav Maga as well? Sure. Um, anything that you can pick up uh, can be a weapon. Uh, change in your hand can be held at your side. It can be launched at um, somebody's face with a simultaneous kick to the groin or the knee. Um, you know, the keys are always taught, thought of as um, slashing, but it, they can actually be used as a distraction where you're, you're getting the guy to put his hands up, cl- clouding his vision, and then uh, taking out his knee. Um, you know, umbrellas, um, uh, mobile phones. I've got, I've, <laughs> I've actually got a training curriculum for mobile phone use. You, you're going to have a good insurance claim on, claim on your hand. Uh, I've developed a device too for that. We'll see how that turns out. Um, and anything you can pick up, um, you know, a wall can be used as an improvised weapon too. If you, if you do what we call Taisabaki and you turn and you, um, channel the attacker's momentum, uh, forward and you use it to ram him into the wall, um, you know, car doors, anything and everything can be used by you, keeping in mind that it can also be used against you. So um, the the best defense, and I think all self-defense systems say, is the best defense is to avoid confrontation in the first place. Uh, and you write a lot about this in your books. So what are some of the pre-conflict indicators that people should be looking out for? Uh, and what can you do to avoid or de-escalate these conflicts? Terrific point. Um as all good self-defense will tell you, you know, it's using common sense first and foremost. I would also say you couple that with um, your intuition. Uh, there's a great book, and I would advise all readers to pick it up if they're interested in the topic, uh, called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. Very well-known book. Basically, what uh, Gavin DeBecker is, is uh, suggesting is that trust your gut. You will sense that there's a problem. If, if something doesn't feel right, it's not. Trust yourself. Uh, forget social mores of, you know, offending somebody if you're an elevator, that kind of thing. Um, and again, uh, there are different hooks that people use or different provocations. You know, so much of what people think of as violence is, is avoidable in social violence. And um, again, made, a, made a, a, a very important point in, in book number five about social violence versus raw violence. And social violence can be avoided. Somebody giving you a stare and uh, hoping that you'll return the stare so they can escalate with you. Uh, it could be a verbal... Um, you know, provocation, hey, what are you looking at, for example, or, you know, something to that effect. And again, those things can be uh, avoided or ignored. Um, wh- a couple tips maybe for, for, for our listeners here. Um, if somebody looks at you and you return the gaze, any um, return gaze beyond three seconds uh, and emotional intent is usually indicated. In other words, if you look at somebody and then you look away, not down, and I'll explain that momentarily, but if you look away, you're not um, challenging him or her. If you look down, though, you break your gaze and look down, it may be just what that person wanted to see because now you've shown that you're subordinate in some way. You look down. So if you can look to the side and keep panning for uh, potential threats, let's say, then you've in- introduced a degree of uh, equanimity. In other words, you're, you're not challenging the person, but you're not backing down either. Um, verbal challenges can be, uh, forgive the pun, a bit more challenging simply because it's directed at you. It's a direct um, challenge or provocation. And, you know, you, you got to rehearse this ahead of time and say, hey, you know, if somebody gave me a problem. Hey, you know, it looks like you had a tough day. I, I did too. Or a sincere apology may be in order, even though you may not have anything to apologize for if you just want to avoid it. And much of this is just posturing. It's, it's a form of social dominance where somebody wants to show off to uh, either a peer, it could be a girlfriend, it could be even his or her own children, 
or you know, group setting. Uh, young males are more susceptible to it, obviously. And um, you know, to that point, you, you just have to think about what you would say to uh, to try to deconflict the situation. Um, I had a, an instance where I was on a train uh, going um, from. Um, uh, Newark, New Jersey, and for whatever reason, this hard-bitten guy with a tattoo uh, on that, you know, on his face, a teardrop, in fact, you know, took issue with me, and he used the time-honored, hey, what are you looking at? And I thought, ah, here we go. But I said to him, rather than saying nothing, I said, is that your beautiful baby girl? And he looked at me a bit startled, and, he, and I said, is that your beautiful girl? I said, she's about 13 months. And he didn't know what to say other than smile. And the mother... Um, He's the father. The mother was was smiling from ear to ear because I talking about their child with um, sincerity, and I opened the train door uh, or I held it for them. And rather than having a an aggressor going back and forth, you know, I made a cursory friend and wished them uh, have a great day when they left. So it changed from his wanting to start in with me to changing the subject um, sincerely and uh, getting him off target. Me, right? I love that. It's great advice there. Um, so, David, in martial art in combative circles, there's always enormous debate about which system is the best. I mean, things can get really heated. And um, what kinds of criticism do you think people give Levy at Krav Maga, and how do you counter those those criticism? Now, again, another great uh, question, Brett. You know, um, I, I, I'll, I'll begin with the explanation that good minds think alike. For example, when I was just teaching... Uh, a, um, a special forces group, and when we approach these um, fantastic uh, fighters and these hardened warriors and heroes in my book, the idea is to introduce just a few tactics that they might uh, use to augment what they do. It's not to replace what they do, and that's respect from um, you know from us towards their professionalism. Um, because the fact is, there are only a few things out there. You're not going to reinvent the wheel with combatives. For example, a thumb gouge to the eye. A, uh, a chop to the uh, you know the carotid sheath, uh, uh, a thrust to the windpipe, a kick to the groin, that kind of thing. But what counts is how you deliver them and the method in which you deliver them. And um, I'm not in any way going to say that Krav Maga is the best fighting system in the world. Obviously, I'm biased towards it. It's what we do. Um, but when we talk about fighting systems, you have to um, equate the time it takes to get proficient, which is why Krav Maga is so popular because you can ramp up in a very short order, versus some of the more complicated systems, which are, are no doubt um, very, very formal fighting systems, but they do take a long time to master. And uh, equally important, not everyone may be able to do it. Because remember, with the Krav Maga um, training, or the evolution of it, um, Emi and the subsequent IDF instructors had to be able to teach 18-year-old recruits along with um, men in their 50s who were doing the reserve duty, which is uh, not as old today, but it's the same thing. So it's got to work for everybody. It's got to work for people who are, who are large, small, athletic, not athletic, and firm, even, even people with disabilities in a wheelchair. And that's where Krav Maga sort of stands out. Um, the one difference I will say, and I'll go down on a limb here, is that our weapon defenses may be, and I say may, uh, be some of the best in the world because it was developed around modern weaponry. For example, our handgun disarms, our long gun disarms. Uh, you know, again, it, it's not a uh, time-honored system from uh, several hundred years ago now trying to... Um, morph itself and to, uh, to, to change the way they do things to take away an AK-47. The AK-47 uh, existed and Krav Maga was developed in a way to take it away. Um, but the system does change too. You know, for example, the, the, the weaponry in the IDF now, they're using bullpup design submachine guns. You don't have a very long weapon. So the Krav Maga, the combatants with the weapon, change as well in the tactics. 
Um, so to, to answer your question further on, on comparing systems, um, that's sort of like discussing religion <laughs> and best not to sometimes. Uh, but as I say, I have respect for everything. Whatever, uh, if somebody has a very strong background in, in most systems and they come to a Krav Maga training, the instructor, the, the Krav Maga instructor has got to be good and legitimate. In other words, uh, in my opinion, having trained with one of the top guys in Israel, um, there are really about three organizations there now, uh, obviously the top, in my opinion, being Grandmaster Gidon. Um, the point is that um, you've got to be able to handle um, yourself uh, in any situation, multiple opponents, uh, and you've got to be um, proficient in everything from weapon defenses to ground survival to multiple opponents to uh, being able to roll uh, and find what we call cover in an active shooter situation or, if necessary, take an active shooter down pummel them, take the weapon away, and hopefully get some help. Well, David, let's say someone's listening to this uh, conversation. And they say, I want to get started with Krav Maga. I mean, what's the best way to get started? Best way is to take a look. Uh, you know, what are the local schools around you, um, the listener, and try it out and see if it's a good fit. Um, the, the Krav Maga that we specifically teach, um, it, takes a, it, it takes a long time to develop instructors. We really have to master it uh, per the uh, original Israeli Krav Maga Association guidelines. As I said, you know, some training is going to be better than nothing. Um, we do have some online training, which is becoming increasingly popular. Uh, it, it's basically, I've succeeded in getting 90% uh, percent of the system online, and it's about 42 hours, 350 lessons worth. But that is meant to augment, you know, in-person training. And so um, if people do look at our training materials, they will see differences in what we do versus many of the Krav Maga splinter groups out there. But I'm going to, you know, just compliment Krav Maga as a whole. And, um, you know, people should go out and try it. And I would suggest that if the organization or the instructor is uh, good at what they do, uh, two things will happen. One, they'll invite you in for a class as a trial and they won't charge you. And two, they won't require you to sign a yearly contract, uh, which my I myself would be averse to because you have to, as an instructor, believe that people are going to work because they love what you're doing. You're giving them something of great value and they want to come back as opposed to being charged every month uh, and having to feel they've got to go back, if that, that makes sense. And David, where can people learn more about your works? For example, your online courses. Uh, very kind of you, Brett. Uh, the website is um, www.masteringkravmaga.com. Uh, so it's www.masteringkravmaga.com, all one word. And um, our videos are very popular on Amazon. Uh, that's the best place to get them. In fact, uh, the first video is actually Amazon's choice. It simply means that Amazon, because of the 250 um, rating, uh, ratings that have come in, it's about a 4.85 out of 5, uh, has designated it uh, its choice for anything that's typed in Krav Maga, um, along with the five books that are available. Uh, so that's much appreciated for the, uh, the opportunity to explain where to get our stuff. Well, David, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much time. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. And I, I just encourage everybody to, to be safe. And um, I really appreciate the interest in uh, Israeli Krav Maga. Uh, and lastly, any, any questions about it generally can be answered on our website, www.israelikrav, all one word.com. Uh, so that's israelikrav.com. My guest today was David Kahn. He's an instructor at the U.S. Israeli Krav Maga Association, the author of several books on Krav Maga, including Krav Maga Defense's latest. They're all available on Amazon. Com. He's also got some DVDs, which I own, which are pretty cool. You can also find out more information about the U.S.-Israeli Krav Maga Association by going to IsraeliKrav.com. Also, make sure to check out our show notes at aom.is slash Krav Maga, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic.
Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. If you enjoy this show, I'd appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really helps that a lot. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. <laughs>